Um, I was at CVS yesterday and the woman was like, thank you. And I went, bye, love you. (laughs) (laughs) And then I spent the whole day thinking how I should have reacted to telling the CVS lady that I loved her. And then I was laying, going to sleep and I was like, shit, I told the CVS woman that I loved her. You guys, welcome to Obsessed and Disappeared, the podcast where Ellen Marsh and I tell the stories of missing people by recapping the episode of IDs Disappeared that covered their case. How you doing, my down bitch? How you doing, my... You are such a down bitch. Am I? Yeah, you guys, I've been asking Patrick for a certain Christmas present. I won't say what it is. And today he was running late and all he did was pull up the website of the place that I wanted (laughs) just to shut me up. But we were late for recording today because of you. It's true. It's my fault. You guys, join the Facebook group, Obsessed with Disappeared podcast discussion group. If you are looking for like community and friends and who isn't in this like horrible time, join the Facebook group. It's so much fun. People are making like lifelong friends in there, girl. Truly lifelong friends. Everyone is making plans for our yet to be announced Breckenridge weekend. Like people are like getting hotel rooms and shit together. They're like, are we rooming together? I know. Do you snore? Are you an early riser? Like it's really happening, you guys. It's really happening. Also, every Friday night we go live on Instagram at 6 p.m. Eastern. So to see that when it happens, follow us on Instagram, The Disappeared Pod. It's a blast and a half. Uh All right. Is that it? Is that all? I can't remember. I lose track. All right, you guys. Disappeared. Season 3, Episode 5, Gone on the 4th of July, tells the story of the disappearance of Roxanne Paltoff. A teenage girl leaves a motel one summer night and never returns. She left her phone, she left her debit card, she left her purse behind, and I knew at that moment something was wrong and my daughter was in danger. Could the items she left behind hold clues to her disappearance? I know Roxanne's clothing. I've never seen his clothes. It wasn't even Roxanne's size. I thought, okay, this guy's got her ID and we're going to find Roxanne. Or will the results of DNA tests reveal what really happened? I was just bawling my eyes out, thinking, oh my God, this is Roxanne. They actually found her. So girl, before we start, I want to say, so we got a request from Roxanne's sister to join the Facebook group. So she's probably listening to this. I'm so excited. Me too. And because we're going to call like the mama down bitch, can you explain what that is so the sister is not offended? Right. A down bitch for anyone that doesn't know is a ride or die. A down bitch is going to show up. A down bitch is if you say you killed the guy, a down bitch shows up at your apartment with rope, a shovel, bleach, and an alibi, okay? A down bitch is there for you. A down bitch shows up and doesn't ask questions. If you say you don't like someone, a down bitch says, who the fuck are we beating up? Right. That's it. A down bitch doesn't ask questions. If you drink a bottle of wine in a night, down bitch doesn't judge you, okay? Anything else, girl? If you break up with a guy, a down bitch is gonna stalk his new girlfriend, okay? If you hate someone, uh-huh. down bitch hates them too, Okay? A down bitch is what we all aspire to be. Are you a down bitch? I am. Are you? (laughs) Sometimes. You guys, Ellen was on Broadway in a show called Kinky Boots in which she wore a mullet. Like Google the pictures. It's kind of amazing. You look a lot like you're wearing a mullet right now. Pulled back. I got the bangs pulled back. Your hair back. is looking super mullety right now, girl. Do you remember the name of my character in Kinky Boots? Gemma Louise. Fuck off. Gemma Louise. Yeah. <laughs> and remember the whole gig with her was that everybody thought she was a lesbian? Yeah, I'm not a gay lesbian. I don't know what you're on about. I'm strictly dickly. 
Oh, oh, those Broadway kids, they're funny. They're so funny. So we're going to jump right into this beautiful girl named Roxanne. So it's July 3rd, 2006, and it's her and her boyfriend, Lewis's second anniversary. Give me a word to describe Lewis. Piece of fucking shit. Here's my question. How did she make it two years with this guy? This guy is a fucking dirtbag. Like, I'm just rereading that now in my notes. Two years yeah. she was with this guy. She met him when she was 16. I'm going to have a lot of follow-up information on Lewis. So you're going to want to stick around for the end yeah. when I really read him for filth. <laughs> so basically the whole idea is that on the 4th of July, she's going to like hang out with her family and friends or whatever. But then she and Lewis are going to spend a few days at a motel. And so we meet the mom, Liz, who I really love her. I really, I think Liz is just great. But we're learning the story that Roxanne is coming home to pick up her stuff. She says to her mom, she came in the house, rushed in and she goes, I'll be home in a couple of days. And I said, okay. And I said, just, you know, call me. And what she did always, she called me every day. And we learn about Roxanne and we see these amazing home videos. Roxanne is the oldest daughter of five kids. She's just like a loving, sweet, good person. And like, this is the shit that really kills you in this show is that you see how close her family was. Like, yeah. we see these pictures of them at like the beach or lake or whatever. Like, siblings fight. And these kids just look like they love being around each other. Yeah, and everyone kind of said that. They said she had a lot of friends, but she was closest to her family, which I thought was really sweet. And so her down bitch sister, Rosa, appears a lot in this stuff documentary. And the mom kind of says she didn't have a great high school life. She breezed over that. I googled it. She actually dropped out of high school and got her GED. And then she was working at a florist. Excuse me. We are told that she was interning at the floral shop. To which I said, do flower shops need interns, girl? I was like, flower shop owners, you're fucking paying Roxanne, right? Interns at the flower shop? I hope she was a paid intern, but we only meet this florist boss named Charlotte one time. Charlotte was born to run a flower shop. And I just want to know, Charlotte, you put out an ad like on Indeed for interns. <laughs> just pay the girl $7 an hour, Charlotte. Just, We're not asking for much, Charlotte. Just give her the job. And Charlotte, the florist, said that Roxanne was interested in floral design. And she said she really blossomed into this beautiful designer. She blossomed into a beautiful <laughs> designer. And I was like, okay, Charlotte, we're going to play the pun game. All right. She really rose to the occasion. <laughs> I really believed in her. I'm trying to chloroform an idea. Hang on just a second. Peeny for your thoughts. Oh, that's good. You got to be or kidding me. Actually, that's a good one. That's a good one. I award you points for that one. So, okay, it's the afternoon of July 7th, and we learned that Roxanne calls her mom because she wants to spend another night with this dirtbag boyfriend. Well, I mean, we can give a full spoiler. This guy is an asshole. We can give it like, we don't like this guy. Yeah, this guy is the scum of the earth. And <laughs> he was. Mama Liz was not thrilled about it. But honestly, like, what can you do? I mean, as a mom, as an adult, I think like... How do you let your daughter do that? I know. But like I fully expect Daisy to call me and ask permission to spend the night with her her significant other up through her 60s. Yeah. My mom was the same way when my boyfriend who then turned into my husband and I used to go back to my mom's house. Are we talking about like the hot lean British one? Okay, stop. The <laughs> She, like, tried to make us sleep in separate rooms. I was like, Mom, the jig is up. Yeah, she- We've been living together for six <laughs> years, okay? But, I mean, 
I get it. You know, honestly, at the end of the day, teenagers are assholes. I guess Mama Liz was basically like, at least she's still calling me. I mean, well, and also, like, you know, Roxana's 18. We're going to learn the mom does not like this guy, but like, she is an adult. And, and the mom, like, in fairness to Mama Liz, she does give her shit for it. Like, yeah. she doesn't forbid it, but she literally says, I said, okay, fine. Be that way, Roxana. I just had like a little attitude, you know. Which ended up being like the last words she ever said to her daughter. And at one point, she's like, I feel kind of bad about that. And I'm like, can everybody just blame the kidnappers and the murderers? Yeah. Can we all take the blame? Can we make it their fault? Take it off yourself, Mama Liz. My only other question about this, though, is that, like, we learn that this does not have a good end. We never see Roxanne again. Did Roxanne really want to spend another night or what was happening? You know what I mean? Yeah. I do have a question about, like, was the call made under duress? That's a word, right? That is a word. Um, That is a big word for you. So I applaud you for that. In my other podcast, I said um, the word... You have another podcast? No, just this one. Okay. I said the word non-pulse. And I thought, or maybe I said it in this one. I can't remember where I said it. Girl, the word is nonplussed. Yeah, no, I did know that. (laughs) I did not know that. (laughs) Oh, listen, you are a hot dummy. And there's nothing you I am the cutest. You are the cutest. You can't have all the gifts. No. uh, But she was also super annoyed because the next morning they were supposed to go outlet shopping. And I told her that we're going shopping. And I said, why don't you just come on home and we can leave early in the morning. She goes, no, we already... I'm here. No, I'm just going to stay the night and I promise I'll be home early in the morning. We'll go shopping. Look, this is a big deal. This is a poor family. I grew up poor. I really relate to these people. Sister Rosa, who, by the way, reminds me of my sister and tells us that they just thought that Roxanne dissed them. I was like... We waited around for her, but I don't think we tried calling her. We just thought she just dissed us, that she was spending time with her boyfriend. I was like, yeah, she did. They would have been like, fine, bitch. We're going to the Tanger outlets without you. Yeah. So the next day after the outlet shopping, Mama Liz gets home and Lewis calls and says, uh, girl, have you seen Roxanne? And Mama Liz is literally. And then I said, what do you mean? Have I seen Roxanne? She's been with you. Where's Roxanne? Bitch, she's with you. What do you mean? Have I seen Roxanne? Lewis is saying to her, she was with me, girl. That is a true story. I haven't seen her since last night at like 8.30 when she stormed out the room. She was pissed off because they're arguing over her old girlfriend or something. Roxanne just walked out and he said that he tried to go after her, you know, beg her to come back into the hotel room and she refused to do that. And he went out about 20 minutes later where he last saw her and she was nowhere around. He said he searched for her and couldn't find her after that. He says he had her purse and he had her cell phone and he had her clothing. She left the hotel room with just her clothes on her back and her shoes and that was it. We get this replay on the TV show loads of times. It's basically a reenactment of Roxanne, I guess, storming out of the room. And that's what Lewis attests happened, to which I say, says fucking who? I know. So they play it 25 times, her storming out of this room. We have no clue that is the way this went down. So that is what he says. And they're going to keep saying it over and over again. And we learned that, like, according to this dirtbag, when she stormed out of the room, she left her phone, her debit card. She left everything that would keep her safe and what they want to make very clear is a really bad part of town. This doesn't make any sense. And also, everybody take your phone with you everywhere. But see, this is the thing, ladies. If you're storming out of a room, you're bringing your phone. You are flipping that purse over your shoulder to be an exclamation point for whatever it is you were saying. This 
is not the way it went down. So I also want to point out the area where the motel was, where they were staying, was an area of Austin called Runberg. Now, Runberg is an area that is not cute. (laughs) I knew of Runberg. Runberg was an area that you knew you just kind of stayed away from. You know, it was a lot of unsavory people, people that you don't want to associate with. I think Roxanne should have known better than that area to be in. All kinds of crime happens in Rudberg, from drugs to assault to murder, vandalism, sex work. It is a very dangerous city. So this is where we meet Detective James Scott, or as we like to call him. (laughs) Detective Pumpkin. You guys, Detective James, like, I feel like his wife that morning was like, girl, you're going to be on TV. You got to wear your nice outfit. It is this, like, pumpkin orange shirt and, like, black suspenders and a black tie. He looks like a jack-o'-lantern, girl. He does. He looks like a very (laughs) well-intentioned (laughs) jack-o'-lantern. He looks like a very well-intentioned jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> I just want to say, Detective James, girl, I know what it's like to have one nice outfit. You got to wear it when the TV crew shows up. I got my Friday shirt. That's basically my nicest piece of clothing. So they head to the motel where Detective Pumpkin gingerly says, There were some uh, bookkeeping uh, errors that uh, didn't allow us to ascertain who was in what room, if you will, or even how many tenants were at that hotel as well as their identities. There were some bookkeeping errors. (laughs) Okay, so just to give you an idea, you guys, this motel wasn't what we would say on the up and up. No, it was like a budget inn, literally. Yeah, it was a bit shady, a little sketchy, a little dodgy, a little iffy, all of those things. They actually didn't even know she was there. So like Sheila down at the desk was super overwhelmed with like running the 20 some odd room in the rent an hour budget motel. And they didn't really know who was there when. I mean, this is a very shady situation. Yeah. So they say, uh, I think she was in room 217, maybe, maybe. <laughs> so Detective Pumpkin says. It was very clear upon going to that room that there was there was going to be no physical evidence available. I think it was roughly five to six days after her disappearance. The room that she was supposedly in had already been, of course, cleaned three or four times. Someone else had stayed in it. Well, it was clear that no physical evidence was going to be available. And I was like, bitch, there is DNA all over these walls. Find <laughs> yeah, it. But that's the problem. Like, he's saying it's been so many days that we can't determine whose DNA is what. And I'm like, yeah, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. It's- the problem is that, like, so many people have been murdered in this room. Right. You can't, you can't figure out whose blood is who at this point. And I'm not, that's not a joke about Roxanne being murdered in that room. I don't think she was ever there, girl. And can we get the episodes on, like, the 15 other people that have definitely died in there or at least a ghost hunters can you get me a ghost hunters i mean can we get a blue light something anything in here they basically just looked at him was like well can't do anything in there now can't we (laughs) did you try sir i know like I, i i don't know so detective pumpkin says you know they're talking to people in the area and slowly but surely lewis starts slowly but sure Slowly but surely, Lewis (laughs) stops having any interaction with the police. She did it. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) But Lewis does show up at the mom's house. You guys, this is so fucking creepy. He shows up at the mom's house five days later to return Roxanne's stuff. And he handed me the cell phone. And then um, I went through her purse. She had some rings in there. 
She had a toothbrush, her driving uh, driving book. Um, she had her debit card in there, no ID, and maybe a little bit of makeup. That was all. Lewis also returns a bag of clothing, but on closer inspection, her family realizes the clothes aren't Roxanne's. And Sister Rosa is like, I know all of Roxanne's clothing. This is not it. And the clothing was like for a child. Yeah, like they a- were kids' clothing. And Lewis literally says, oh, I just scooped them up off the floor. I thought they were hers. What floor? Yeah. Like, that's when I'm like, oh, God, oh, my God, what kind of, like, child sex trafficking ring are we involved in up in here? Yeah. And Sister Rosa continuously, like, ends up being the down bitch of the episode because she keeps being like, yeah, no, that's not her clothes. Right. <laughs> Like, when you're sisters, you know everything that, like, no, she didn't know. And she, like, holds up, like, a three-year-old's T-shirt. She's like, bitch. Yeah. Like, this family is not playing around. But, like, whose clothes are they, Ellen? Whose clothes are they? It is so crazy. Whose, like, children's clothes did he sweep up off of a floor? What floor? We don't know. Yeah. No, I know. I know. Careful. You're going to lose your voice again and you'll never do another cameo as long as you live. (laughs) You guys, cameo really took me down. Cameo really took me out, girl. I mean, truly. So it just gets fucking crazier. I mean, okay. so they request the phone records and they turn over Roxanne's phone records to the police. There was over 300 phone calls, page after page after page of phone calls from various places. And there were like a minute apart, a second apart. You know, it was just a constant calling on her phone. Wait, can I say something about this? Because I was was like, no. What if I said no right now? (laughs) I mean, I have to say yes. Like, yes, and that's the number one rule of improv. But like, what? We are looking at the phone records and like, we are going to learn that like the second that Lewis says that she left, which was at like 830, for like the next four hours, Lewis is making like 300 calls. Like every, what? You seemed like you were interrupting me to go backwards. You were interrupting me just to (laughs) talk. Just to restate what I was trying to say. Can you just choose your interruptions more wisely? But what I wanted to say was that one of those calls was to 911. Like at some point in the evening, somebody from within the room called 911 and Christopher's got nothing to say about it. Are you sure? Positive. All the actual phone numbers are blurred. And then on the left-hand side, it says like non-emergency phone number. And then you can see it's three numbers. It's 911. Honey, that just might've been the props department. We don't know if that's like her actual phone records. I'm going to crack it. I'm going to solve it based on like some bullshit. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying at one point it looks like somebody called 911. Okay. Why are you making that face at me? I'm just trying to find Roxanne. I mean, okay. I just like, okay. All right. What? After Roxanne is said to have gone missing, Lewis makes over 300 phone calls. Yeah. And that's coming from me. If I think that's a lot of phone calls. <laughs> I know. And it's like, who are you calling, sis? Yeah. Oh, did, I do, did I do it right? Did, did it, I do it right? You did it so right. You're the cutest. Why are you calling like, 300 calls? Yeah, but let's say one of the people who he calls was his ex-girlfriend in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah. So the cops reach out to her and she was like. Lewis had told her he was in some trouble. He needed to come out there to New Mexico to get away. She declined to have him come to New Mexico. She she informed us that she's scared of Lewis, that they had a, a violent past history together. Yeah. He said he was in trouble and he needed to come to New Mexico, to which down bitch ex-girlfriend was like, nah. (laughs) Did she say, nah, 
sis? Yeah, she's like, nah, sis. Yeah, I don't care where you go, but you know where you ain't coming. You ain't coming to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah. Thank you. Goodbye. She told the cops she was scared of him. This is where we learn also the family was a little scared of Lewis, too. And just in general, didn't like him. Like, down bitch Sister Rosa is like... He didn't really say much. Whenever I met him, he didn't try to get to know us. Um, Wasn't really friendly, quiet kind of awkward. Yeah, he wasn't nice. He was just like one of those fucking people who just like, I don't know, had no manners. Like, I don't know why that makes me so crazy. Well, because, I mean, you you would think in front of your partner's family you would at least attempt to be your best self, right? <laughs> so if that's his best self, that's him on an A day. Uh-huh. Imagine uh-huh. him on an average day. Mama Liz even said Lewis. He was not allowed to come over my house. I disapproved of him. He wasn't allowed in her house. That's how much Mama Liz disliked him. Now, listen. All right, here I go. Pull over. Oh, 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 (laughs) She's about to go off. She's about to go off. Mama Liz is saying she never liked him. She got this gut feeling about him. We heard this with the Patty Atkins story. We hear this all the time. Here's what. Yeah. You don't need to justify or explain your feelings about someone to anyone. If something feels off, Say something. Be the crazy one. Be the judgy one. Because here's what. Not being that person is when shit goes down that we can't take back. Yes, but once again, it's only the fault of the murderer. No, it's not the mom for no, not saying it. You know what I mean? And it's not Patty Atkins' sister's fault. I'm just saying time and time again, I have done this in my life where you say, I don't want to be the one to say, I don't think this guy is good for you. I don't want to be. You don't possess the vocabulary words. I don't want to be the one to say right. dot, dot, no, I know, but I'm just saying, no, it's nobody's fault. But like, you know, Patty Atkins' sister was like this. None of this adds up, but she was happy. And But be that crazy bitch is what I'm saying. Okay. (laughs) We got another T-shirt. Steve, we got another T-shirt. But you know what I mean? Like, it's just we're always worried about people's feelings and happiness. When your gut tells you, be that crazy bitch. I love you, Mama Liz. I'm not blaming her here, but something has to be taken away from these stories. Right? (laughs) Are you okay? Yeah. Are you going to get through this? <laughs> you guys, yesterday, I called Ellen at like nine in the morning and she was literally zipped head to toe in this like sweater <laughs> with like the hood up. Her- she was basically like her teeth were chattering. She is wearing the same sweater. It is more than 24 hours later. She is freezing in New Jersey is the bottom line. I believe it was Aristotle that once said, <laughs> well then, fuck you. <laughs> It just reminded me that we have a guy, one of the doormen in our buildings, whose name is one of the four Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I can't remember which one. Raphael? Yes, yeah. that is it. That's the one. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I, think I cannot remember his see, name. I've been to your house a handful of times, and I can remember his name. So <laughs> You are a better person than me. Yeah. Thank you. Bob, can you replay that real quick? (laughs) You are a better person than me. One more time. One more time. You are a better person than me. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) I love the moment a few minutes ago when you were like, we care about people's feelings. And I was like, oh, I'm going to sit this one out. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't care about people's feelings. I really don't. Oh, God. All right. Here we go. Ugh. So this is where we learn. Okay, I'm I'm sweating. Oh, all right. <laughs> oh, someone got warmed right up yeah. when she got to get her monologue on for the people. Yeah, when I monologue. <laughs> we learn now that Lewis has previously hit 
Roxanne. She had a busted up nose, so Elizabeth took her straight to the emergency room. And at the time, she had told everybody that she fell or something of that sort, that it was an accident. And then one time during a conversation with her and I, it did come up that he had hit her hard enough in the face, a straight punch, that he broke her nose and she had to have reconstructive surgery on her nose. Lewis had punched her in the face so hard. I'm like, I almost can't even say it. It just breaks my heart. He had like broke her nose. And Roxanne is this tiny person. She's like a little tiny person. And Lewis is huge. And it's just like, I don't know what kind of darkness you have to have in you to do that to your partner. I just, I I don't know. I mean, again, if you are a large man and you hit a woman, you are some next level low life to me. You are scum. You're from And that's not me being anti-feminist. I'm not saying women don't hit men, whatever. It doesn't take away the fact that this man was huge and Roxanne was tiny. So guess what? On your mark, get set, go fuck yourself. I don't... This man, I know Lewis is on my list, and my list is not a place where you want to be, you fucking no. shit pouch. <laughs> I am not here for this fuckery today. I am really not. I am really not. You guys are all still pulled over, right? Yeah, and, is everyone, yeah, everyone okay out there? They're like, can we, can we, can we get back on the road or no? no? Is she no. gonna keep going? <laughs> She's gonna keep going. Okay, we're going to stay here. No, we just wanted to know because I just wanted to get to Panera before they run out of broccoli cheddar soup. That's all I wanted. I do not know who rang my buzzer today, but somebody did. Here we go. You guys, I don't know what has happened to her. Let's all just go with it and hope it ends quickly. That's, I don't know. Everybody I don't know what's going on. Everybody just nodded Ellen and smile and tell her she's pretty. You're pretty. You're smart. So Pumpkin Sheriff tells us that, like, yeah, knowing all of this about Lewis, that he was the last person to see Roxanne. They had had an argument. Now she's gone. He had a violent background. He had a history of being abusive towards women. Like, yeah, this dickbag is now the number one suspect. And he wasn't being super cooperative. No. So a really quick background check will reveal that Lewis also has a series of small crimes and a casual felony. <laughs> casual felony. That's my track name. Uh, yeah. He had delivery of a controlled substance. And then Mama Liz says, I did not know that he spent time in prison. Yeah. I did not know he had been in prison. <laughs> There's a couple other little nuggets of joy yeah. that we learn about shit puddle Lewis. Yeah. If you made the mistake of getting back on the highway, you're going to want to find that rest area again real quick. Yeah. So Roxanne and Lewis met when Roxanne was about 16 and her sister says that Lewis was about 18 or 19 at the time. They learn from this really quick background check. After she went missing, so when we found out his real age, when she was 16, he was really 28. 28 years old when he met a 16 year old Roxanne. How does that make you feel, girl? How does that make you feel? So the rage (laughs) that's inside me right now Mm -hmm. has now done a boomerang 180 and I'm actually remarkably calm because I have... Now, I freely and openly admit to the depths of my crazy, right? Sure. And now you had better believe if someone in the near future so much as says that they are taking Lola out for a slice of pizza, they're having a Google search, a social media check, and maybe a urine sample if I can have the time. (laughs) It is for situations like this that I am what they call unhinged. She just rubbed her eye so hard. 
<laughs> I was really worried about your eye. I know. It's just honest. I, like, Lewis. Get your hand off your eye. I can't. Lewis has no stars. In the no. great Yelp review of life, Lewis has no stars. Have I made that abundantly clear to everyone? <laughs> I just don't. Yeah, this guy is trash. Okay. So then we learned that Lewis declined to come to the police station. We made several requests for Lewis to come in and give us a statement. He declined to come to the police station. We attempted to meet him at places, um, but he was unavailable. And I was like, wait, that was a request? (laughs) It was a request. Like, uh, excuse me, maybe if you wouldn't mind uh, stopping by, we could possibly have a little chat about uh, if you have the time. what is happening on the FaceTime, it is next level. This is all next I'm level, you guys. I'm just like, nah, bitch, you were the last one to see her. Yeah. You lied about your age. You have a demi felony on your record. Get the fuck down here right goddamn now. <laughs> Why aren't you the sheriff of whatever the hell town you live in? You should be running that place. Wait, do you know my Auntie Gloria, every time I talk to her, she's like, Ellen, I don't know why you don't run for office. And I was like, <laughs> I've, I've sent way too many topless pictures to random men all over the country. <laughs> Including me, including me, you guys. It's honestly mostly just my gay friends, mom. Calm your tits, it's fine. Okay. (laughs) Don't you touch your mother like that. You just told your mother to calm her breasts? Do you know what I used to say to my mom when I was a teenager? What? Because I have really big boobs and my mom has really small boobs. And I used to say, oh, mom, I got a joke. You laugh your tits off. Oh, oh, you heard it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That is... Is unacceptable. I used to say that to my mom all the time. Your mother, did your mother beat you? Yes, I'm Italian. (laughs) (laughs) We had a wooden spoon situation in my household. I don't know if anyone else had a wooden spoon, but. Oh my God. My mom once got a new wooden spoon when I was little. I said, what's that for? She's like, for when my hand gets tired. Your mother is a national goddamn treasure. I know, she really is. Okay. So finally, two weeks later, July 19th, Lewis finally agrees to come in for a meeting with the cops. Oh my God, thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you, thank you, Lewis. But they have to go get him. Like, Lewis is such a piece of shit. They have to go pick him up. He comes in and then he won't talk about anything. He's like, I told you everything that I know. She walked off. But the one piece of information we get out of this is that there is one witness, he says, at the motel who can corroborate his story. Right, so Lewis says, that he was at the motel and there's a woman that can corroborate his story. Some motel worker. Who is she? Where is she? What I call hogwash on this whole fucking thing. (laughs) Hogwash! But they talk to her and she says that like... The young lady indicated that she did see Roxanne leave the hotel and that Lewis was walking behind her. And then Lewis did turn and go back to the room. She says that she saw Roxanne, quote, storm out of the room. I don't believe it. Then she goes and spends the night with Lewis. Yeah, I don't believe any and of it. And why is this good enough for Pumpkin Cop? I don't understand. Yeah. So she says she was there from 1030 to 3 a.m. He was making calls on Roxanne's cell phone from 8 to midnight. More on that in the follow-up. So if she went missing at 830 to go blow off steam, he was just like, yeah, I'm just going to hang with this random hotel 
coworker. I don't believe a lick of this story. And if any of it is true, if Lewis really did let Roxanne walk out of the hotel, apparently in the worst part of the town, in the worst city in America, and just wander around on her own with no money and no cell phone yeah. for the whole fucking night. Yeah. Like, there's no good outcome where either, like, she was never there and he did something to her before this, or this is true and she vanished because he let her leave. Like, Lewis is the worst. He's the worst. Yeah. How does he sleep at night? I don't believe any of this. And before I continue on my emotional tirade, let me just say... <laughs> When you write a book, that's what it will be called. Emotional tirade. Yeah, I mean, that's generally how I live my life. I am exhausted yeah. from my own rage coaster. Let me just... just <laughs> so just you all know how exhausting it is listening to me. Being friends with you. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or being friends with me. So mm -hmm. imagine being me. <laughs> okay? Okay. The only thing I can say about that is that you and I are exactly the same goddamn person. I know. Except, and I'm going to say it, you're more hinged. Like, you're a more <laughs> rational version of me. <laughs> You're like a calmer, more clearly thinking version of me. Yeah, I know. It is actually very scary when I'm the one in the relationship that says, all right, let's calm down for a second. <laughs> like, that actually happens behind the scenes, you guys. That actually happens. When our we were getting started yeah. today and I like something wasn't working with the FaceTime, Ella just goes, oh, God, don't get annoyed. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and I'm the one who said, okay, okay, let's calm down. All right. <laughs> Like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Okay, so we're about to uh, really cascade into crazy town here. <laughs> so July 13th, Detective Pumpkin gets a call from another motel in the area, and a female has been sexually assaulted, and the suspect fled. The suspect left behind his wallet, and his name is Jeffrey Moore. Officers responding to that call um, encountered a female victim who had been assaulted and uh, stated that the suspect had just left the scene. During the course of their investigation at the scene, the suspect returned to the scene. Can I just interject here and say that, like, if you're some fucking asshole who assaults a woman in a room and you leave your wallet behind, sis, yeah. don't come back for it, girl. Don't. don't come back for it, girl. Did he come back for it? He came back for it. <laughs> he came back, he came for, back it. for it. You leave it. You leave the wallet, sis. I'm never going to stop saying sis. It's a thing I say now. That makes my day. Yeah. <laughs> so they get his wallet and in his wallet is Roxanne's ID. Do they care? Nah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. They don't. They put it in the lost and found in like the Austin Police Department. Right. So four days later. Oh my God. The $7 an hour intern who is responsible for mailing lost IDs back. Yeah. Is like, hey, um. <laughs> smell hiccup. <laughs> Just, if anyone cares. <laughs> This ID belongs to a missing person. Anyone? Does anyone want to? Are you going to Panera Bread? You're going. If they have broccoli cheddar, get me the broccoli cheddar. Like, nobody cares! I know, and Pumpkin Sheriff is like, oh, shit. When the uh, person who is in charge of, of mailing back IDs entered the name into the database, of course, Roxanne came up as a missing person. 
and we were immediately contacted and told that uh, Jeffrey Moore had been in possession of Roxanne's ID. He indicated that he had given Roxanne a ride, her and Lewis, the day before Roxanne had disappeared. We ran a background check on uh, Jeffrey Moore and did show that he had involvement in criminal activity. So they haul this guy in. What's this piece of shit's name? Jeffrey Moore. They haul him in and like we get this banana story about, I mean, this is a story that gets talked in circles and makes no yeah. sense. Yeah. Where he's like, oh, I actually did meet her and her boyfriend, Lewis. I gave them a ride. And Lewis corroborates that he gave them a ride, but they both say that the ride originated in very different parts of the city. Like, it makes you think that Lewis and this other piece of shit are in on this together. Uh, absolutely. And here's my coaching for the day. Okay. If you're going to commit crimes, uh-huh. just match your stories. I know. Have a goddamn meeting. Make a Google Doc. Do something where you can at least just say no part of Jeffrey Moore and Lewis Wall's story matched up. You know what they didn't do? They did not heed Darlene's advice from the last episode and collaborate their stories. Yeah, dippy fucking Darlene <laughs> with their collaboration of stories. Yeah, one says they were downtown. One says they came from a Walgreens. Yeah. In one interview, Jeffrey Moore said that him and Roxanne were close friends. He actually was like, yeah, we're close friends. Give me her ID back. I'm going to give it to her. It just, I'll yeah, just, just give it back. Just give I'm it back. I'll give you guys it that forever stamp. I'll just put yeah. it to her myself. Yeah. And then in a later interview, he said that he had only met her once. And then Detective Pumpkin says. But there's a lot of inconsistencies in both stories. Obviously, they can't both be telling the truth. I didn't realize she was going to go this crazy again. They can't both be telling the truth. Yes, two criminals can't both be telling the truth. (laughs) I really have never seen you this worked up. It's kind of amazing. No, I don't need to buy a vowel, Pat. No, I got this one. I got this one. Vanna White's like shaking her head. I got it, sis! So, like, it's after this interview that they bring the woman from the hotel, like, the woman who says she was with Lewis all night. They bring her in for a polygraph because I guess we fucking care about polygraphs again. Police finally polygraphed the woman from the motel who said she was with Lewis the night Roxanne disappeared. She passes and his alibi checks out. She passes the polygraph. That's good enough for the cops to yeah. say, well, his time's accounted for, girl. Yeah. No, I no, I don't believe any of it. And at this point, the rumors were circulating about Roxanne, that she was on drugs, that she was a prostitute, which is absolutely vile. I mean, the- but, but so I just want to say this, like in watching this again, I'm like, look, the rumors about her aren't true. And it's not nice that people said that. The sex workers and drug addicts deserve to not be murdered also. You know what I mean? Yes, of course. But like, I know you think that, but the way that it's sort of said in the episode, my point is just to say that like sex workers and drug addicts are like humans too. And like nobody should kill anybody. Yes, absolutely. So March, 2007, they put up this really big, big billboard on a very busy highway yeah. where, right by the motel where she was last seen. The- The billboard is a big blessing. She's up there 24-7. Thousands of people go down 35 or different areas of town. So she's not forgotten. She's not put away. Her sign is out there. And they see Roxanne. That helps a whole lot. You can tell Mama Liz is like really proud that they were able to take that step. I don't know how they got the money for that. I would imagine that would be really, really expensive. So March 2008, it's seven months after she goes missing. And like Lewis, who because that lady at the hotel passed the polygraph, is no longer a suspect. He's just out and free in the world. Suddenly he comes back to the forefront as like a prime suspect. Lewis had gotten into an incident with a woman that he'd been dating 
who he has a child with. They had met to discuss some child support and child care issues, but instead of talking about that, he uh, ended up threatening this young woman, also another young woman, significantly younger than he, and sort of whispering some things to her that, you know, if she didn't basically behave, that he would do to her what he'd done to Roxanne. Lewis is just like, do what I want or I'm going to kill you the way I killed Roxanne. Right. I mean, that made the hairs on my arm stand up. So she is granted a restraining order and Lewis is put in jail for 140 days for terroristic threats. And then he was put back on the street. This like, this cunt packet has like a history of hurting women. And he's like, oh yeah, no, she's crazy. I didn't say that. And then like police have nothing but hearsay. You know, she's saying one thing, Lewis is sending another. So this is another lead lost. This woman who can attest to what Lewis said is lost and it's gone. And And like, that's kind of how it ends. Like it just ends with there being no leads. And so Pumpkin Cop in the end is saying, What I'm left with now is I have two violent offenders, both involved in criminal activity and both hiding criminal activity. But I suspect that one of them is hiding a murder. Look, it's either Lewis or Jeffrey. Like, one of them is lying. One of them knows what happened. And I'm just thinking, like, how is there no evidence? Because I keep screaming that, like, everyone's bad at murder. Everyone's bad at murder. Maybe these guys aren't. Like, what? how do you get rid of a person and have there be no fucking evidence about it? I think there probably was evidence in that fucking hotel room that nobody thought was worth scouring, cleaning, dusting for fingerprints. I mean, were Jeffrey Moore's fingerprints are in the hotel room or if anything was in the hotel room. I mean, it's so funny because when we were talking about it earlier, I was like, girl, I'm kind of with them. Like they cleaned it five times. But now you're right. Like what kind of evidence could there be? Also, like, was she ever in that room at all? And when she called the night before asking if she could stay again, like this is why I'm like, can we analyze what did she sound like? Did she sound like happy? You know what I mean? Like, remember, it wasn't like they were gone for just one night. It was multiple nights. Right. It was three days until the cops got involved. So three days. Let's say somebody knew was in there three times. They're not bleaching those walls up and down. They go in there with a rag and they Windex the inside of the cups and they maybe put on clean sheets. So that's it. That's kind of how it ends. And do you have an update? Yeah, I have a bunch of updates. So, I mean, listen, I think it's obvious that her boyfriend, Louis Walls, is responsible in some way. I mean, that's not a mystery to me. And his friend or his whatever, Jeffrey Moore, probably had a part in covering up or at the very least knows what happened. But here are some things not covered in the episode. So Lewis was dialing a bunch of numbers on a constant basis. He was making new calls every two or three minutes. This is like after Roxanne stormed out. Right. Or Or like, you know, like air quotes stormed out. Yeah. So like they had said on the episode, he had called some ex-girlfriends, but he also called phone sex hotlines. So you're saying that... And 911 if what I saw was correct. That didn't happen. (laughs) Um, Also, Jeffrey Moore's criminal history was lost over. So Jeffrey Moore had tons of arrests and no convictions. So Jeffrey Moore's the other guy. The other guy. The other piece of shit. Yeah. We have two pieces of shit. The one that like had her ID on. Right. Like had her 
ID on him. I know. So the thing was that Jeffrey Moore's criminal history was glossed over because there were no convictions. Why were there no convictions? Because a lot of his crimes were against sex workers. So people that didn't want to be in a police station or involve the police in any way. Yeah. So Sister Rosa is very involved in still trying to find her sister even 15 years later. So something interesting that Rosa uncovered all by herself, and I learned this on her Facebook page, was on the cell phone bill, there were roaming charges the night she disappeared. Now, remember roaming charges? That was when you went out of your area. You were out of your area calling another area. Lewis didn't have a car and neither did Roxanne. So where was he with her phone when those roaming charges were happening? So all to say, this is still an active case and anyone with information pertaining to Roxanne's disappearance are instructed to call the Austin Police Department at 512-974-5250 or Crime Stoppers at 512-472-8477. Somebody knows what happened that night. Yeah. And this was 15 years ago. So there's a lot of people that are alive and well and know. And I also just have to say, it is obvious that Roxanne was in an abusive relationship. She, you know, had her nose broken and who knows what else. So if you find yourself in an unsafe or violent or abusive relationship, even if your partner has never hit you, there are so many different kinds of abuse. Please, please call 1-800-799-7233. And just remember, no one deserves to experience abuse in any capacity and every abuse is serious. Um, Say something funny. You know, even two days into that sweater, you still look good, girl. You're still rocking the sweater. Okay, 20 years into this relationship and I'm having second thoughts. Okay. <laughs> bow, 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 bow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, you guys, we did Disappeared Season 3, Episode 5. You guys, on the feed right now is our interview with Roxanne's sister, Rosa. So, separate episode, drop today. Check it out. She has so much interesting stuff to say. She's awesome. Queen of all the down bitches. We are obsessed with her. Obsessed. And like always, you can always find us on the Facebook. We do so much more in-depth diving into the episodes on our Facebook page. But mostly we just talk about bullshit and go live and talk shit about each other. Like the other night when you couldn't get a hold of me for 20 minutes and you went live for 20 minutes explaining all of your thoughts and problems. We do that too. We do that. You can find us on Facebook at the Obsessive Disappeared Podcast Discussion Group. You can find us on Instagram at The Disappeared Pod where we go live every Friday night for Friday Night Live, 6 p.m. Eastern. Really, if you've never checked out Friday Night Live, you don't know what you're missing. It's my favorite thing I do during the week and it's always, always, always bananas. It it really is. We cannot be controlled. Also, um, I'm on TikTok. Okay, bye! Find Ellen on TikTok. Her TikToks are actually really hilarious. She does a lot of true crime stuff. Find me on Instagram at Patrick Hines underscore Ellen's at Ellen Marsh. I think that's it, girl, right? I think that's it. I love you so much. Love you. Happy New Year! 2021 cannot come fucking fast enough. Sign me up for those emails. Whatever 2021's got, I want it. Bye. Bye. Love you. Bye, 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 bye. Oh, God. I'm never going to let that go. It's good. I'm going to be like 70 and I'm going to open up my eyes and be like, remember in 2020 when I told the CBS lady that I loved her? You're not going to give me props where I'm trying to chloroform an idea? It was fine. (laughs) She was really, really good at like arranging 
The orchids. Girl. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. You, you want me to answer this one? Yes, Midtown Patty. Been a minute since you had somebody rearrange your orchids, huh, girl? My orchids are beautiful. <laughs> Fragrant. Don't ever take that sexy tone with me ever yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, No, don't do it. It's flowery. Oh, God. I'm just, I'm honestly just getting him. I just want him to walk out. I want him to walk out at some point. When I was in high school, my fashion was really seriously influenced by my so-called life. I cannot tell you how hard I hunted down a pair of fucking overalls so I could wear overalls with the one strap down, the shirt under it, and the flannel over the whole outfit, girl. You're making fun of yourself, and all I hear is 90s icon. That's all I hear when you say that. I mean, I have to say yes. Like, yes, and. That's the number one rule of improv. But, like, what? You're right. You're right. That's the number one rule of improv. Did I say Um, red rule? Yeah. (laughs) You said red rule. It's the number one rule. I want a Scooby snack. (laughs) You're making me lose my my voice again. Oh. (laughs) Oh. You're making me. You're making me. Gaslighter <laughs> denier. Yes, you are making. Uh, it's you know it, it. It's also how I sort of made my ex boyfriend cheat on me. I think. <laughs> yeah, I took. I I just took that to crazy town real real quick, didn't I? Yeah. Here we go. So I can't wait till we take Daisy to Disney World. Oh my god, I know. I love. You're not going to Disney World without me, by the way, because I know Disney. Okay. okay, okay. <laughs> I know- Those I know Disney World like the back of my hand. We are going to the Hoop Dee Doo review and we are going to all the places and we are getting the right fast passes. If you go without her, I will literally turn this podcast around. I swear to God. <laughs> I, I would never do okay. that. You guys, earlier before we started, she burped in the most like, look, I'm not like an etiquette person. Ellen is my sister. She can burp and fart in front of me if she wants to. But it looked like she was re-experiencing her cheddar broccoli from Panera earlier in the day. Like, it looked like you were re-experiencing it. Okay. <laughs> I just, I wasn't sure if you were done. I muted you for that time. And then your, your mouth started moving and I turned, I turned my headphones back on. Did you okay. finish? Yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm, it'll, I'm it'll, done. It'll be a delightful surprise on Wednesday when the episode drops. I can't wait. <laughs> you are, you are next level today, sis. <laughs> yes. 